I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I'm here with Stephanie McMahon, who is the Chief Brand Officer of WWE. Stephanie, hi and welcome. Hi, Nadine. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I have been so excited to have you on this show forever. How long has it been since we've been chasing each other around? At least a year. I I feel like a year. Yeah, I think since uh, Cannes last year, actually. That's right. That is almost (laughs) exactly a year. You're right. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing you in the lobby. I forget which hotel it was. It was the Marriott, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I don't remember either. Oh, my God. We, we, it, every hotel, right? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> but that was a blur. But it was so fun to finally meet you in person then and uh, just excited for today. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. So let's do this, shall we? We have so much to cover. Um, I think a good place to start is why don't you, if you don't mind, take a minute, share with everybody what your role is and why you took that on. Sure. Well, I'm uh, Chief Brand Officer for WWE, so I'm responsible for WWE's brand presence, in essence, all over the world, and how we are perceived from a B2B as well as B2C perspective. Uh, I have grown up in this company, quite literally. I was a, a child model when I was about eight years old, and yes, you can Google some of those pictures. They do still exist, as embarrassing as they are. Wow. Um, include, including my first ever perm when I was 12 years old. Um, and uh, yeah, that's rocking the, the magazine pages of then WWF magazine. So long time ago. Um, this is my family's business. I'm actually fourth generation. I've held a, a number of roles inside WWE, everything from running our creative writing team, which now is uh, seven hours of live content every single week at a minimum across uh, cable and broadcast and as well as our monthly pay-per-views and there's just so much to discuss if you don't know our business model Um, but I also ran our live event booking team and we have over 500 live events all over the world our talent relations department talent brand management 
our digital department, which really there was about bringing together all of our creative writing assets, you know, so that everyone was working off of the same foundation, if you will, because you have great stories and great characters, but then there's so many branches of, of ways that we can develop and grow those. Um, so having them all together was, was one of um, my biggest initiatives at that time. And uh, ultimately then went on to become chief brand officer about five years ago. And that's where I am now. Wow. Okay. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of questions for you. So I'm going to try to stay focused here because like, I want to hear all about the business model. I want to hear what it was like growing up in the family and also growing up in your career. Um, But I have to start with a little fact. And this might go back to your 12-year-old experience with the perm because I had that same experience. (laughs) But I don't have nearly the amount of followers on Twitter that you do. You have 3 million followers on Twitter. How the heck did that happen? Oh, well, that's because I've also been a character on our show. And, um, you know, I am the boss's daughter. So Vince McMahon, who is the CEO and chairman, is actually my father. And uh, I play the boss's daughter in the show, but I play the villainous boss's daughter who's always putting profits ahead of people. And it's always about moving my business forward versus, you know, doing what's right for the, the superstars themselves and you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I, I've played this character for, gosh, on and off for about 20 years now. And um, it's the best time in the world because you really get to, to interact with your fan base and your audience. And I think that gives you a leg up as a marketer and as someone involved in brand and really just involved in, in running the company in any facet. I really think it's critical to understand your audience or your consumers, whatever that might be. And I had that intimate one-on-one interaction, or I should say, you know, 10,001 um, <laughs> interaction live in arenas, you know, um, and we're never off the air. So for a good chunk of time, you know, I was front and center in front of our audience every single week, you know, live. So it really does build this relationship. And I think then when social media launched, it was a, a natural opportunity. And, and actually, just because I am the chief brand officer, 10 out of 15 of the most followed female athletes in the world across all social media platforms are WWE superstars. Woohoo! That's yes. awesome. Yes. Oh my gosh. So cool. I love that. And I've seen many of your stars in different functions, always supporting women in leadership, which is great. You know, I think there's so much there to be learned and so many good role models in your business. It's fantastic. So hats off. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So many incredible female leaders everywhere and athletes and business people and behind the scenes in front of the camera. There's so many stories to be told, maybe, you know, you got to tell these stories. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Well, well, that's partly why you're here. And I say partly because we might have to have a part do at some point. I don't think we're going to cover everything today. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. So cool. So, okay. So let's, let's come back to some of these stories. I didn't want to hear them all, but I have a burning question here. With everything that you've, you're doing, you've done, being on TV and being a character and an actress and a business person and a marketer, like how the heck did you gear up for this role? Because that's a lot of skills you had to collect and, and grow along the way. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, this role was opportunistic. I'm the first chief brand officer for WWE. And what we recognized is 
we are incredible at marketing directly to our consumers. I would say, I would argue that we're, we're the best at it, right? Um, or at least one of the best at it. But what we weren't doing was really getting outside of our own bubble. And we didn't have much of a presence from a B2B standpoint. So therefore, when we're negotiating our media rights, or we're you know, talking to potential partners and sponsors, or we're out there in that space, people didn't know our stories enough. We were one of the first to launch an OTT service, WWE Network, six years ago. And it was Netflix, Hulu, and WWE. And maybe there were a couple that, that I'm not mentioning, but we were, we were right there and the first live. Um, but we didn't get nearly the coverage that we should have gotten and why. So that was one of the reasons why my role was actually created and I was uniquely positioned for it given all of my different experiences. Wow. Okay. Very cool. And how is, how is that going for you now, the OTT network? The network has been um, incredibly successful for WWE. Uh, but of course, now we are in a place where everyone's launching their own DTC service. And, uh, you know, how are we going to fit into that? We are currently $9.99 a month. Um, and we do, we did launch a free version actually just uh, this week or last week. And we've been experimenting, of course, it's been six years. So we've been experimenting with all different models. Uh, and it's an incredible value proposition when you consider that our pay-per-views, which really was our and still is our most valuable content, and that's essentially monthly. It's a little bit more than that, but just to, to give you some concept, WrestleMania being the, the pinnacle, right? That's our Super Bowl. That's our World Cup. Um, and that's typically held in late March, early April. And then every show, every pay-per-view then builds to that crescendo from a writing standpoint and a storyline standpoint. So the weekly shows are sort of the links in between to keep you interested, but really they are driving towards the pay-per-views and then the pay-per-views themselves ultimately drive to WrestleMania. And then we have the big four that are essentially the playoffs leading into WrestleMania. So if you're not a fan, it sounds very confusing, um, but there's just basically... Uh, a lot of opportunity there. And on pay-per-view, fans were paying, you know, north of $65 when you could watch it for $9.99 on WWE Network. So it was a tremendous value proposition for us, for our audience. And on top of that, we have, you know, all kinds of original programming, other live event programming. You know, I can get into the whole nuts and bolts of it, but we're currently around, you know, and of course there's a lot of churn, but we're around 2 million subscribers. And uh, when you think about the fact that we intentionally cannibalized our own pay-per-view business, it was a huge risk, particularly at that time. It was a really big calculated risk. And that's what we believe in, is taking calculated risks. And it was based on research. We were actually pretty far down the pike with a linear deal, um, but they wanted to lock up our rights for 10 years. And we saw this opportunity. So we did some more research, found that our fans were five times more likely to watch online video than at that time, just in America, than the American norm. And we decided we had a real opportunity and that's, that's why we went for it. And um, it was hugely profitable for us, more than doubled what we were doing on pay-per-view. Wow. And let's talk about your fan base for a moment too, because it ranges the gamut. 
Is that right? It does. Yes. It's multi-generational. It's, it's everybody. Actually, nearly 40% of our audience is female. Wow. 40%? Really? Yeah. Because really it is families. You know, it's, it's everyone from the consumer to the purchaser. Uh, we're, of course, very strong in the 18 to 34 demo, that, that really coveted demo, and we're chasing them through various platforms and technology, um, but we are still significantly strong there. Um, it really is. It's, it's kids. It's 18 to 34. It's grandparents. Everybody's really watching WWE, those, those who love it. You know, it really does range the game. And, you know, it's one of the things that I love so much about our company, actually, when you think about the fact that WrestleMania, as I've described before, typically people come from all over the world, over 60 different countries, all 50 states, all different backgrounds, beliefs, um, socioeconomic conditions, you know, you name it. And they all come together to share this one thing that they love, that they have this passion about. And it feels like family. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts of WWE is that it doesn't matter, you know, anything else. It's, it's about coming together and enjoying this thing that you love and celebrating it together. WrestleMania week itself, people plan all year long just to get together with the people that they stay in touch with but don't see on a regular basis because they might live in another state or another country. You know, it really is this, this incredible brand that – I couldn't be more proud to be a part of. Yeah. And speaking of family, I caught that movie. It was so fun fighting with my family. Oh you yeah. You were part of that, right? <laughs> oh yeah. No, we were um, in partnership with MGM and seven buck studios. Fighting with my family is uh, the story about one of our superstars whose name is Paige, um, who actually came over from the UK and how she broke the mold in terms of what was seen as a traditional female star in our business because she was different looking. She was goth looking and she had piercings and jet black hair and lots of, you know, cool makeup and nobody looked like her. Nobody acted like her. She had this very vibrant personality and she'd just say what she thought, very akin to who she actually is as a, as a person. Um, but she, in essence, you know, kind of broke that mold. And I think the movie did a good job of telling her story. Yeah, it sure did. I really enjoyed the film. I watched it with my whole family. Um, it was very inspirational. So I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, and I'm sorry, I have this image in my head I can't get rid of because you, you mentioned this earlier. Something about you and Rhonda in a ring together. What was all that about? <laughs> well, Rhonda Rousey uh, came to WWE after her UFC career. And her very first WrestleMania match, actually her very first match, took place at WrestleMania and she chose me as her opponent and storyline wise, you know, of course I was the biggest, baddest villain. Right. And she was somebody from a character standpoint and a story standpoint, she was someone who was already successful coming into WWE. So she didn't need WWE to make or break her career like these other talent did. And she could stand up to me. And when, you know, again, this is all storyline based, but when we signed her, we gave her an open opportunity to have a match at WrestleMania against someone that she chose. Well, foolish me, because <laughs> she picked me. Um, so, and I teamed with my husband because there's a whole nother story, you know, about life imitating art uh, there. But 
my husband is one of the most iconic performers in WWE. His name is Triple H. And uh, this is real name is Paul. Um, but he was also a part of the story. So it was me and Triple H against Ronda Rousey and her partner, Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. And Ronda's an Olympic medalist in and of herself. And even though what we do is entertainment, you know, I had to get myself to an athletic level to even just be able to make her look good, right? Like if I can't keep up with her, then Rhonda's not going to be able to do the things that, that she can do that nobody else can do. Uh, so she's not going to be able to show off who she is. And um, it was one of uh, my career highlights, my life highlights, really. I'm such a fan of hers anyway, as a person. Um, but to be able to compete, you know, to perform at WrestleMania, the event my father created, alongside my husband, one of the best in the business, um, and to be able to have that match against Ronda Rousey, her first match ever, and be in that position was um, just unbelievable. I mean, I'm so grateful. You know, Billie Jean King said, uh, pressure is privilege. And, and I really felt that that day, let me tell you, in the whole buildup up to it. <laughs> okay, I'm so loving this. I, and if anybody heard that little music cut in, it's because I had to go to YouTube while you were talking and see for myself. <laughs> and I'm watching you. Rhonda put Stephanie in an arm bar, raw, April 9th, 2018. How cool is that? You it really was unbelievable. Wow, you're you're dynamite. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, there's some really fun pictures here. Um, this looks like it could hurt in real life. Um, okay. Oh, it uh, does. It does. <laughs> let me tell you. And also, you know, all of the practice and rehearsing that we had to do building up to it. Like, Rhonda's incredible, but this is her first match, and she maybe wasn't as skilled at pulling the punches. <laughs> maybe I would have liked because that's not what she was used to although she's such a pro in anything she does but um yeah it was uh I took quite a beating for about three months building up to that match and and I'm proud of it <laughs> oh my gosh you should be okay I I definitely gonna watch this whole thing after we get off the phone because this is so cool um but I will just add to that. I actually did a piece and an editorial if you will and it was about being willing to take the bumps and that's what it's called when you uh, take a punch in the ring and you go down and you, you hit the, the mat. It's called taking a bump. And I do think that as leaders, it's so important to be willing to understand what people go through. Um, so from this aspect, you know, you're willing to take the bumps with your team. You know, you're in it with them, whatever that is. And, and literally in WWE, I think it's so important to also understand what our talent go through every day. Um, and to have that perspective, because it's not easy what they do. And you're asking them to do a lot every day, travel, you know, constantly almost, and perform at such a high level, such a high level athletically. And I think that respect of being willing to, to get in there and, and understand what that is, is, is really, really important. And I think it harkens to everything we're, we're going through as a society, that willingness to listen and that willingness to understand. Um, and, and I guess you can, you can call it empathy, um, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it, it is amazing. And I think you made so many good points already. 
starting with really understanding your consumers and your audience and now really understanding your athletes. I mean, you clearly you're the chief brand officer because you get the brand from every aspect, uh, which is super cool. I want to talk a little bit more about what you just said, because I think there's two ways to go with that. Um, There's lots of ways to go with that, frankly, when you start talking about empathy, but you have a tremendous amount of passion for young children, especially children who are struggling with cancer. So I definitely want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about how you just responded through this time right now when there aren't any live events. Uh, So let's start with children though, because you know, that's a big part of your audience too. And, and what are you thinking about there? Well, um, you know, WWE has had, gosh, we've been a part of the community. Giving back is a part of our DNA ever since our inception. And, um, we weren't always public about what we did because, you know, at the time my father didn't want people to think we were doing it for the wrong reasons. And then we realized about 10 years ago by using our platforms, we could actually really help amplify those partners that we're working with. Um, but because, I mean, we have an over 30 year relationship with Make-A-Wish Foundation and we have a whole history of our anti-bullying programs with Boys and Girls Club. Uh, we actually have four different pillars to giving back and it is um, inclusion, hope, service, and empowerment, and and many different partners under each of those pillars. And because of all that we do, I had the opportunity one night to meet a little boy named Connor Mahalik. And uh, Connor was about eight years old when I first met him. And it was after one of our big playoff shows, and it was in Pittsburgh. It was called the Royal Rumble. And Connor was standing there. And I remember he was wearing a t-shirt that was dragging on the floor. And I could tell he was sick as I was walking up to him because he had a big scar running up the back of his head and he had a big lump on his head, but you would never know it from talking to him. And it was our ring announcer at the time, Justin Roberts introduced me and Connor immediately started telling me about his t-shirt because Shaneness, who's one of our superstars, who's about six, five, 300 pounds had just given it to him, literally the shirt off his back as he came out to the ring which explains why it was dragging on the floor. Mm -hmm. And underneath that t-shirt was his Daniel Bryan t-shirt, also a WWE superstar, his very favorite. And underneath that was his Skylanders t-shirt. And he was very, very proud of his Skylanders t-shirt. And I asked him for a hug and he told me no. (laughs) And I said, well, why not? And he said, because I give choke out hugs. And I said, oh, okay, well, try me. And he gave me one of the best hugs I've ever had. And as I was standing up, his dad told me that he didn't have long to live. And I just couldn't believe it. This little boy was so full of life. And I I looked over at him and he was now like shadow boxing, um, just so full of himself. And and I couldn't believe that he wouldn't have at least years, you know, to to live and fight and potentially win this fight. And um, I said goodbye to him and I gave him a kiss on his cheek. And uh, I remember how very, very soft his little face was. And he turned and he looked at me. And I swear, you know, this 
whatever you want to believe, but it felt like, like our souls touched. And I felt like I had to do something for this little boy. And I just didn't know what it was. And, you know, my husband and I talked about it. I couldn't sleep that night. And, and ultimately this took place in January. WrestleMania was in early April. And I said, you know what, let's invite him to WrestleMania. And unbeknownst to me, the doctors told him that, uh, told his dad that he wouldn't be able to make the trip if he survived the flight that he really wouldn't function very well. Um, and they really cautioned his, Connor's dad, whose name is Steve, against doing that. And um, Steve decided that he thought it would be the best thing in the world for his son. And he was right. And he said Connor um, could dress himself that whole week. He, he fed himself. He said it was like he had his little boy back. No, Connor was diagnosed with cancer at four, um, and he's now eight. Um, and Connor got to sit front row, and his very favorite wrestler of all time, Daniel Bryan, actually won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, the biggest wow. stage possible. And what did Daniel Bryan do? He got right out of that ring and went straight over to Connor and showed him the championship. And he said, you did this, you know, and, and you keep fighting. And uh, Connor lost his fight three weeks later. And um, I just vowed that personally, I would never stop fighting for kids with pediatric cancer. My husband and I formed a, a fund called Connor's Cure that now sits with the V Foundation. And um, I'm actually in the process of, of launching a, another foundation called the Constellation Project, which is about bringing together all of these bright spots in the medical community. And that's a whole nother conversation, but, but actually breaking beyond the medical community, right? Why, why aren't engineers that are working on, um, you know, SpaceX rockets, why aren't they helping solve this problem? Um, how do we incentivize pharma? I mean, only 4% of government funding towards uh, cancer goes towards kids. And the thinking, and we, you don't want to get me going on this because I could talk about it forever, but, um, but that is definitely my personal passion. And of course, WWE supports um, Connor's Cure as well. So that's, um, that's one of my personal missions. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, Steph, um, you've pretty much just brought me to tears. Uh, okay. Uh, and I, I, I have to gain my own composure here. Um, I'm sorry. No, and, I, and I know. Connor was my, was my oldest daughter's age at that time. She was also eight. And uh, they sat together at WrestleMania. And it was, um, I still feel him. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I just feel obviously very, very strongly about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, um, I, that was such a beautiful story. Uh, thank you for sharing that story. Um, you know, it, I'm so glad that you're doing everything you can to help there. You, know, you and I just went through an experience together and the last few months has been really crazy. I mean, I, I lost my mother to cancer right in the middle of a project that we were working on together to really support frontline workers, especially uh, medical frontline workers. You know, 
and and I, I think we will have a bond for the rest of our lives. And I now know a little bit more why. <laughs> um, but let, let, let's talk about this monumental moment because it, it really was unique how you just jumped in there along with 13 other leagues to do something beautiful. Do you want to share what that was? Absolutely. And, and Nadine, you never uh, take credit, but you are actually the one who brought us all together. And you saw there, there's so many things that you do that actually I don't think a lot of people know. And I really think you should be interviewed on your own podcast because <laughs> it's so impactful, the work that you do truly. I mean, so you bring together these different CMOs and other executives from sports leagues. And, and e-gaming and, and all related to, to sports and entertainment. And, you know, really at first it was a forum for us to just talk and share and what was happening. And quickly it evolved into the idea for a PSA. And I'm not even sure whose idea that was. Um, I came into the conversation a little bit later, but of co- it was a no-brainer. And one of the things, and then 72 and Sonny was brought on as the agency. And I think that was brought on by Tim Ellis. He's the CMO of the NFL and Heidi Browning had a, had a huge role in this, the CMO of the NHL. And I'm sure there are so many others that, that, you know, had, had a huge role in making all of this happen. Um, And what fascinated me having been an executive for, you know, a long time, was how well everyone worked together. There was just such consensus that, yes, we should all absolutely do a PSA. No problem. Tim says, hey, I've, I've got this great company, 72 and Sunny. And we're all like, yes, we love 72 and Sunny. Let's bring them in. 72 and Sunny had such incredible ideas. I mean, just awesome ideas. They were such a hardworking bunch. I have so much respect for their talent and their ability. And they did it at almost no cost right? All of this work. And the idea was, okay, what do athletes represent? Athletes represent heroes to a lot of people. But in this time during COVID, we recognize that the athletes are not the real heroes. The real heroes are the people on the front line. And we had a lot of conversation about, do we include you know, um, teachers and everyone else doing, doing so much heavy lifting during this time. But we decided to just focus and be very clear that we were focusing on the frontline medical workers. And so then we looked again, okay, so what do athletes have? They have jerseys, right? Of course, not in WWE. We have a a different kind of gear and (laughs) e-gaming was a little bit different. But for the most part, athletes are recognized for wearing jerseys with their names on the back. So the campaign was created, the Real Heroes Project, so that these athletes, the perceived heroes, take their jerseys and put them down, cover up their name with a piece of masking tape, write the name of a medical worker, of a frontline medical worker whose story resonated with them and have the chance for that athlete to then tell that medical worker's story and tell them why they mattered and tell them why they were important to be recognized. And that's the, the, the crux of the campaign is is recognizing these people and the work that they're doing and the sacrifices that they were making. Some of them leaving young kids at home to fly across the country to go help out in New York city 
where there was, you know, a higher rate of cases and, and putting their lives literally on the line to help in this pandemic, to hold the hands of those who unfortunately didn't make it and whose families couldn't be there with them. I mean, I can't imagine what all of these people have endured and are still enduring. And it was our chance and our opportunity to say thank you and to recognize them. And I thank you, Nadine, for bringing us all together because it would not have happened without you. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. <clears throat> and I'm all broken up here. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm, I'm reliving that moment because, um, you know, it was about two weeks before the campaign launched. Uh, I lost my mom and I was going through radiation treatment at the same time. And I had to go into the hospital every single day for 19 days. And when this campaign launched, I had just finished my treatment maybe two days later or maybe, no, it was that, it was the day before. Because this, on the same day the campaign launched, I did exactly the same thing that you guys told everybody else to do. I took, I don't have a jersey, but I took a shirt that looked like a jersey. And I reached out to my radiation doctor because he was there every day with me, sometimes twice a day. Um, and I said, is it okay if I fr friend you on Facebook? Because I, I would like to tag you on something. And he was shocked. Um, and, and I did it. And um I, I put his name on my, my shirt and I put it on Twitter and I put it on Facebook and it was actually a really great way for me to say thank you, Tim. So you guys gave me an incredible way to thank him. And I don't think a lot of people have taken the time to do that. And they well, certainly through this campaign they have, I mean, wow, the participation was amazing, but everybody should thank the people in their lives that helped them be in their life. And none of us had any idea um, that you were in the hospital during that whole time. Um, and I'm glad to hear, because I know that you're done with those treatments, and I'm so terribly sorry about your mom. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Yeah, and I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't want to turn this into sa a sad situation. No, but, you it's, know. but it's real. It's very real. And, you know, I think that it's those moments in our lives that, that move us, right? And, um, and that's, those are the things that matter the most. And, and that's what causes us to take the steps that we do. And, um, and you have just done so many remarkable things that I know about that uh, I don't know how many of your listeners know about, but I really think they deserve to be heard. <laughs> um, so if you want Nadine to have her, her own podcast, <laughs> Um, you know, please uh, do whatever you need to do, like, retweet, you know, comment. Um, let's make this happen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> can, can, I'll tell you what, if, if you succeed at this mission, can we do it in a ring someplace? When are we going back uh, live? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we're, we're producing content every single week. We haven't stopped, actually. So we could do it out of our performance center in Florida. Absolutely. We could do it in the ring. We can make that happen, Nadine. Uh, <laughs> you and I are you and I are both women of action. We can't, you know, challenge each other without making it happen and taking it another level. So I'm more I'm down to do it. <laughs> okay, this is brilliant. I love it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and you're exactly right. How do you take it to the next level? Because like, if, if that ever happens, it has to be amazing, right? So like, that's uh, right. Because people get bored of me really fast. Uh, how oh, many? <laughs> no, they don't either. That's why you have so many people listening. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh, you're too kind. Wow. Well, okay, well, this is this is amazing. And uh, 
you know, I, unfortunately we're out of time today. I want to talk to you about a million other things. Um, but before we go, I have two last questions for you. One is the future and the second will be my, my now infamous last question. So what does the future hold? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to really continuing to reimagine WWE, uh, especially during this time, all of the things that we're learning. How do we evolve to the next step? Not just being platform agnostic, you know, not just launching an OTT service. My father actually has a great statement. He always says, you want to be slightly ahead of the curve, not so far ahead that people don't understand what you're doing and you certainly don't want to be behind. You always want to be slightly ahead of the curve. So what are those next things that are out there? Because I know so many people are working on so many exciting things right now that could be a perfect partnership with WWE. And, you know, we were one of the original content creators on YouTube when it first launched. And now we're the fifth most viewed YouTube channel in the world. You know, we have well over a billion social media followers across all platforms. Our direct-to-consumer network that I mentioned before, we have, you know, what's going to happen with the live event business? How is that going to evolve? How can technology further enhance that interaction and that relationship we have with our fan base? Um, so I really think sky is the limit in terms of the future. I see nothing but growth and upside. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to being a part of it. Yeah, me too. I cannot wait to continue to watch how many cool things you do do because it sounds like you do just about everything in the world. So um, <laughs> you make me look lazy, that. actually. Oh, I feel like... Oh, <laughs> well, here's a question for you. My final, final, final question for today. Um, if money and talent were of no object, you had both of those in spades and you weren't doing what you're doing right now, what would you be doing? Uh, well, I would be the CEO of my foundation, the Constellation Project, for sure. And I would help find a cure for pediatric cancer. That would be my, my primary goal and focus if I wasn't doing what I'm doing today. If you ask me that question when I was in high school, I would have said a uh, choreographer. Oh, <laughs> well, you kind of are, aren't you? <laughs> I guess, I guess, but a dance choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, whether you choose to do one or both, um, you know, keep me in mind. I'm, I'm always happy to come give you a hand and help however I can. So, uh, absolutely. You would be an invaluable asset on any team and I would hire you in a heartbeat. Yay. Okay. Job security. <laughs> Check. All right. Great. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Nadine. It, it truly was a privilege. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming, 
to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.